Welbeck, that's a dreadful call, and Chelsea could be in here with Goff, who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for Gerrard! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Ghost Goal Podcast. We got another Premier League weekend here upon us. We're going to get you ready for all of it. we got another tasty weekend. We've got Liverpool going to Spurs. We've got Chelsea hosting, Burn- or Chelsea hosting Burnley. Leicester City will host Southampton. Arsenal will have a London derby with Crystal Palace and a lot more. I'm Andrew Passaro, back on the mic. It's been quite a while since I've been on the pod. And we got Alex Moss, a little OG ghost goal here. Uh, Alex, how was your holidays? Great. Uh, a real confusing time for a Chelsea fan uh, with wins over... Tottenham and Arsenal and losses to Southampton and you know various bad teams like Bournemouth before that so you know I'm a little bipolar at the minute and my my Christmas but it was overall good um, I, I got to take the blame for uh, part of this break I've, I've had technical difficulties that we're going to be able to get around tonight but when we recorded after the uh, Chelsea Tottenham game just before Christmas uh, we ran into a little snag that I'm still working on trying to figure out. So um, it may be a little bit more staggered pods for me until until that's figured out. Uh, but plenty plenty to cover in a very short amount of time. So let's let's jump on it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All, all I'll say is that my holidays were great, and I don't remember what losing's like. That's all I have to say. So yeah, you know, you know how it is. Uh, but we do have some major news in the in the Premier League that we haven't really gotten a chance to get into, and that's namely. As is in the Premier League, right around week uh, match day 20, there's been several coaching changes, and let's start with West Ham bringing back David Moyes after sacking Manuel Pellegrini, which was an all-time troll job by West Ham. Their fans hate them for it, and I think I'll it's admit, hilarious. first reaction was laughter, right? Like, from 90% of I people. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I thought, I mean, they Some just recycled. They recycled. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, they recycled the, the picture of David Moyes get it when he signed for Everton or for West Ham the last time so we got we got David Moyes back in the back in London uh we've got Arsenal who bring back uh Arteta uh their former central midfielder and their captain who he's now their he was their captain yes he was their captain uh they bring him under into the reins he was uh, uh an assistant coach over at Manchester City working under Pep Guardiola was rumored Everton he got rumored in. for the job uh, back when Unai Emery got it he was one of the main candidates yeah. and Instead, Arsenal just decided, you know, let's waste a season and a half on uh, Unai Emery and then we'll bring in uh, Arteta. You know, people aren't going to talk about and that, think, but they probably should have done it just a year and a half ago when they originally had the decision. I think that Unai Emery was brought up in for the West Ham job. Like, I think that was a name that was tossed around before they went with David Moyes. Just just throwing that out there. Uh, Everton bring in Ancelotti and Watford. We've talked about this already. Bring back Pearson, who was the Leicester head coach prior to the title he helped kind of assemble some parts of that team that would go on to win a Premier League title uh and he's now at Watford so uh, and it's turned their their, their Alec- season around over uh over the Christmas period they haven't lost a game in the last four Premier League games and they've got three wins in that time so 
yeah, he's really turned them around based off of how they started the season, which was obviously horribly. They finally got some wins, and they're not in last place anymore. That, that's a last huge deal. For... <laughs> like For a club like Watford that looked like it was just going to be this year's West Brom, remember when they just dropped off a cliff from like eighth to bottom? Yeah, that, mm-hmm. I mean, it happens every year to one team, and you know Watford look like they've got a chance to kind of stave that off. Yeah, Watford have now passed up Norwich City, who are, are in last place on 14 points. Uh, and Watford technically are within striking distance of making it out of the rele- relegation zone. They're 19 points right now, only two points behind 17th place Aston Villa. We'll talk about Villa a little later in the pod. But, Alex, of all these managers, who do you think can have the most success going into the second half of the season? Obviously, some of these teams are going to make transfers. There's rumors that Arsenal are going to sell players or move players on, maybe bring in a defender. Everton, not really sure what's going on just there right now. West Ham, who knows what they decide to do with their their ownership, but which manager do you think can get the most out of what they have right now? It's hard to say because uh, relative to like the immediate results, and they've all kind of come in the, in these last three or four games, and it's only been like a week or two, but obviously that's during Christmas, so the fixtures come thick and fast. So uh, relative to how, what the state of the clubs that they came into, they've all done pretty well, uh, other than maybe Ancelotti, who you can maybe talk about when we get to Everton in a second. I'm leaning towards Arteta just because the difference has been just so much more drastic. You know, Watford, you can see a couple players like Dini, like uh, Saar getting involved more. Dini obviously being injured for most of the season and Saar just, I guess, being slowly bled into the team. Those players are now uh, back and it kind of makes sense that Watford would be taking a better step forward uh, in the attacking phase. Whereas Arsenal, you've you've seen like a revival of a lot of these players. Like, uh, I mean, I'll even say it. It's because it's kind of obvious over three or four games, you can't de- deny that Ozil's been twice, maybe even three times the player we've uh, become accustomed to over the past three or four seasons since his like significant downturn at the end of Wenger's time there. So uh, you, you get him improving. You get David Luiz looking more like a leader who's more invested in what's going on and marshalling everyone in the back. Um, they're, they're, there's better performances all over the park, and they still have injuries to deal with, and that will be tough for Arteta to really have, really salvage anything significant this season. But from the direction they were going in for the first half of the season to now, it's very much going from trending significantly down to trending back up again with better performances. Probably say Arteta. I don't want to disagree with you. I do think there's a lot that could be done at Everton, and the sole factor of they weren't doing anything, where it's like Arsenal definitely, there were moments where they were like, hey, they look like a team that can beat other teams, and like, but Everton is still a project. Let's not forget the fact that Liverpool put out the youth team on Sunday and beat Everton. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take was, I don't want to take too much from one game, but when you saw the lineups for it, the first thing I thought was, oh man, this is like a lot of pressure for Everton, because there weren't many names on Everton's uh, team sheet that you would say, oh, there's another player that needs to be playing over him. Like it was, there's pretty much their strongest team. Maybe I'm wrong on like a couple of spots, but, and like you said, it's like the U23s for Liverpool with Milner and he goes off after 20 minutes and then you just have Origi. And Divac Origi. You just have Origi yeah. after that. It's 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 rough. Lalana, Joe Lallana, Gomez. But again, Lalana is not like regularly featuring in the, in the first team. No. Um, and he's playing more of a he's playing more of a defensive midfielder role. He wasn't really like he was kind of playing towards the back half of midfield. Joe Gomez was out there fine, but that was only like he wouldn't have started if other players were healthy. So yeah, yeah it, it was embarrassing. You would you would you were thinking before the game if Everton lose this, this is embarrassing, and obviously they did. And 
<laughs> that just makes me think like whatever Carlo Ancelotti does for the rest of the season, it's not his fault because these players can't get themselves up to up to beat a bunch of kids uh, when they're the, the, the entire first team is playing. It's not Ancelotti's fault. He's there's been plenty of managers who have tried with these with these players before, and they've had good runs for each one of them and had awful runs for each one of them. So I think at this point, if you're Everton, you're just trying to weed out the bad eggs and uh, and, and try to move them on and form the team more in Ancelotti's uh, image. All right. Well, we talked about because we talked about Arteta a minute ago. So let's let's get right into the weekend and we'll start it on the 7:30 game. Crystal Palace hosting Arsenal. Um, this is a game, and I looked this up because I was looking for bets for the weekend, and I will be will be throwing out a bet for this one. But this is a game. The last five times it's it's played, they've all ended with four or more goals. This is like a game that's been very open. There's been a lot of set pieces. Yeah, had a couple two twos in there. The three two mm-hmm. win for Crystal Palace yep. last season. Yep. Uh, and my biggest question is, can Arsenal like the Crystal Palace is rumored to be trying to sign Tosun on loan and they're trying to sign uh Kyle Walker Peters on loan from Spurs as well. I was looking at rumors today because those are two big positions. They're in the top half of the table, but they've only scored like 19 times. And my biggest question is like they could probably keep Arsenal at bay, but I don't know if they can straight up beat Arsenal right now. And and if Ozil's really Coming around, this is the type of game with a team with a low block that he should be excelling in. It just depends on if he's going to do the work or not. Yeah, I mean, well, all the, all the good things I just said about Ozil, this is the asterisk. It's over a four-game span, and I'm not I'm not going to fault him for performing well in those games. I'm just not going to fully trust him yet. Uh, so I, 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 I'm not even saying that this is the game that Arsenal drop off and get a disappointing draw. Uh I think a draw uh, at this point wouldn't even be that disappointing result for either either team. You know, Arsenal obviously want points. Crystal Palace want points. They're at home, but they're uh, Arsenal still very much a work in progress. I feel like there's still a good amount of work to be done from like the the wide players, especially the fullbacks. Some of the injuries they've gotten. I feel like they, they might even been not talked about enough. Callum Chambers just went down with an ACL injury, I think, for so he's going to be out for six months plus, so the rest of this season. So that's like you can't say he's a star in their back line, but he's certainly a bit been a better option than the likes of Mustafi and at times Socrates and David Luiz. So that's another backbreaker for them. So we'll see. It's still too early to really say what. Arteta's preferred formation for a game like this is going to be. We've seen like four four two diamonds. We've seen four three threes. We've seen uh, even like a three five two recently with Ozil just behind uh, Pepe and and Lacazette. We've we've seen all these different kinds of players tried out in the wing back spots like uh, Reese Nelson to see if they can get like more attacking push from those areas. So I I can't really predict this one from a tactical standpoint because we're just not sure how it's going to play out but I mean I think it's a fair assumption to say that it's going to be pretty high scoring like the the, the 2-2 sounds like if I'm going to it's not my better of the week but it would be a solid second or third behind the one I'm going to talk about in a second here um, yeah I've got it actually Palace against Arsenal over three and a half at plus 188 I honestly think like the fact that that's hit the last five times the fact that these teams are both susceptible to set piece goals and I think Arsenal, if they can maybe get it open in the counter, Pepe's been on decent form lately. 
I think I'm I'm gonna take that. I'm going to bet that. That's that's without a doubt. But I don't know that Arsenal gets the win. I I kind of love that too too, just as much as you do. Uh, let's move right down the slate. We've got Chelsea taking on Burnley. That's the 10 a.m. game. And Alex, how are you feeling about the Blues right now? Because I know it's been like all over the place. One day it's good, one day it's bad. How do uh, what are you predicting for this weekend? I mean, overall pretty good because going into Christmas, everyone, all the Chelsea fans, everyone's worry was. We've got games against Arsenal and Tottenham, and Tottenham were seemingly uh, starting to surge under Jose Mourinho, uh, and we beat both those teams. One of, one of those games we dominated at Tottenham, and the other game we came back from uh, being down a goal, which was the first time we'd done that in the Premier League this season, and to do that at Arsenal and win was obviously amazing, but then you go around and you lose terribly to, team, to a team like Southampton uh, at home, and then uh, draw on New Year's Day but you know overall we've still got a five point lead in fourth place uh we're through the next round of the fa cup so we didn't like deplete our squad so much that we got upset in the fa cup or something uh and we took seven points from 12 so you know he offered me seven points from 12 over the four games at christmas i would have been like yeah okay i'll take that and a couple wins over tottenham and arsenal yeah sure give me that that's a that's a great uh morale booster but at the same time there's been plenty of times this season where Chelsea have seemingly uh, gotten over their bad form and have come up against a team that's in absolutely dire form uh, in that moment in time and Chelsea has just been the ultimate antidote to turn that team season around I can think of West Ham under Pellegrini that was the only game they won in uh, like eight or something and that's what led to him being fired because he lost a couple games after that I can think of Bournemouth, who were on like a 10-game winless run and got a win at Stamford Bridge from a like a set-piece goal from VAR and haven't done anything since and are still really bad. And uh, who else am I thinking of? I mean, Southampton were playing better. Brighton were playing pretty well. So I, I just have a feeling that Burnley's going to come in and they're just going to frustrate us, sit deep defensively. The one thing that everyone knows that Chelsea is not at like their peak uh form in, in breaking down at the minute and they're just going to win it like one or two nil and you know yeah at this point that, that would that would obviously be like crippling to a, a top four uh bid because we have like this really difficult run coming up of uh i think like leicester and manchester city and manchester united and arsenal again and tottenham again we have all of that plus Bayern munich twice in the span of uh late january into mid-february so these games are critical to win, but it's just been our Achilles heel at, the, at this point in time with this young team to try and consistently get results in games like this. It's uh, Stanford Bridge is not the fortress it used to be. I'll, I'll say that much. It's devastating to and hear, Alex, especially for a little. And that's plus nine fifty for uh, for Burnley to win at Chelsea. I'm not doing any goals, props, that's too anything. Cheeky for me. It's not cheeky at that's all. Too cheeky. I, for I teased me. the Bournemouth win on the preview pod before that. We could pull, probably pull the tapes up for that. And then that came through. I said that Bournemouth were more likely to win at Chelsea than Arsenal were to win at home against Manchester City that same weekend. And that came through. That came true. So, you know, I can I can kind of play some sort of positive from that, even though I hate that Chelsea are the one on, like, the losing end of these. All right. All right. Leicester City take on Southampton. That one, I will have an eye on. That's at 10 o'clock as well. Now, here's some news out of Leicester. Wilfred Ndidi's hurt. He might need surgery, could be out till the end of February, and that's a huge blow for Lester because he's so crucial. Huge blow. In my my opinion, probably the third best 
defensive midfielder in the Premier League this year after for, after Fabinho and Ngolo Kante. I, I think not I putting think those in the order. best actually. He's probably been the best. Fabinho's been out for enough time uh, now, and you guys were pretty bad defensively, even with him in there. Uh, he, Jorginho statistically was outplaying Fabinho in all of like the defensive stats. He had like more tackles, more interceptions, more forward passes. Like Fabinho's obviously in the best team in the, the the league, so he gets like more like overall credit for that. But like Ndidi has like I think Leicester have been next to Southampton or not Southampton next to Sheffield. They've been the two best defensive teams in the league. And Ndidi, it, it's basically been like what France did at the World Cup, where they just had a back three of N'Golo, Kante, and Varane and Umtiti on either side, except Leicester have just taken on this super aggressive attacking stance because they know they have Ndidi, Soyongshu, and Evans behind them. And obviously Evans isn't like a superstar, but those other two have been playing so out of their minds this season that it's just basically... Uh, lifted up there that entire team defensively to go on and play the possession style that they uh, that they want to because they have these great ball winning players behind them. Indeed, he's absolutely he's absolutely pivotal for that. So I, I I might even go as far to say that they might be in danger of dropping out of top four if he's out for more than two months. What do you think of the backup? I'm blank. I, uh, his name. Prate. Dennis Prate. No, 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 no. He's more of an attacking midfielder. Uh, Chandry. Oh, Chowdhury. He's got the big. I don't know. I don't yeah, know if Chowdhury yeah, yeah, yeah. will, will will play that much. He'll probably play like. That's what Roger said today was that he made the mistake because he didn't start him. That's why in they they drew today in the League Cup against uh, Aston Villa, and Rogers even said that after the game. He's like, he pulled Dennis Pratt for him, and he's hopeful that like this guy should be able to like fill in for Indeedy, and that's the big question here. With that being said. Southampton. I'm still taking Leicester to win this game, but Southampton are on a little bit of a run here where they're still scoring goals. Danny Ings has 13 goals this year. He's apparently. on a great run. Yeah. Li- Liverpool's former striker Danny Ings has 13 goals. Burnley's former Never striker thought- Danny Ings. Exactly. Also true. Also true. Which is why one of my bets of the week at plus 195 Leicester City result both to score. I think Southampton can do enough to get one. I do think Leicester City still win the game. I know this is at home for the Foxes. No nine nil. But this is a cru- no ten nil this time. What? Ten nil. No. 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 I don't. I don't. No. I don't obviously, think so. Southampton I are playing do. well for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Southampton are playing better. They have. Uh, they've moved up to the table. They're in twelfth, and they're in striking distance of the top half of the table. So they're on good form. I think, especially. I love the fact that Southampton didn't play in the midweek, and Leicester did. They've got a full week of rest, where Leicester's not. Two so, home games. And Leicester want to win a home game for Leicester. No, yeah. no big Still. travel. I'm sure, they can. They, right. It's not like they've been weighed down with midweek games for the rest of the season. You know, it's like the first time, like. I know. <laughs> in a while, they've had to do it. I'm just, I'm just hopeful that Southampton can do something in this game. I completely forgot about the nine nil, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that 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 Southampton can can pull something out of this, uh, and that's one of my bets of the week. Manchester United take on North City. North City in last place, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and we've talked about this with Manchester United. Which Manchester United is going to show up in this game? Are we going to get? the team that plays well usually against teams in the top six. By the way, they did lose to Arsenal, but that was not a loss to a top six team because Arsenal are not in the top (laughs) six. And uh, they got shellacked by Manchester City in the League Cup midweek. Phil Jones got put on his ass by Kevin De Bruyne. 
and Manchester City won. We're up 3 nothing in like 25 minutes. And, and De Bruyne, they, Man City played without a striker, and De Bruyne said that they figured out how to do that 15 minutes in training, like the day before the match. Yeah, but he also the said that the they match. like drill similar stuff like all the time. It's not like the first time they did that. Yeah. Like they've played a strikerless formation before. It just so happened that they got to play it against Phil Jones and Victor Lindelof with Pereira and Fred in midfield. So, yeah, soft as, soft as pig shit. <laughs> that is not it, Chief. Uh, and Manchester, Manchester United also drew their last match against Wolves and lost their last match against Arsenal. They haven't gotten a win since December 28th of last year. That's only like a week and a half, so that's really yeah, not okay. that long. Yeah, I mean... But, no, I get it. The, hey, you gotta let me. You gotta let me go after them while I can. No, no, no like, but we, like, we have on. to because I was coming into this with the this thinking the same thing. But then I've I've quickly looked at the form chart and you know I've just sort of subconsciously glazed over the fact that they beat Burnley away two nil and uh, destroyed Newcastle at home four one. I mean, I, I've just I feel like a lot of people are, are subconsciously choosing to hold on to the Watford two 0 loss and the the Arsenal two 0 loss, and then obviously the three one to City uh, yesterday is like fresh in our minds to think everything's going back to shit at United. But you know, you can't just throw out those two wins against Burnley and uh, and Newcastle, two teams that are pretty solidly in mid table themselves. So home against Norwich. Now, as you mentioned, the bottom team in the league and absolutely decimated by injuries themselves. You, you gotta, you gotta expect them to win this. This is like this should be one of the easy games before they go into a bit of a tougher stretch of their season. This is like the bounce back game. Uh, the Arsenal game concerns me for sure, but I think that just has more to do with uh, how Arteta's uh, improving Arsenal's setup at the minute and how kind of a unpredictable uh, like option it is to come across right now. Once you got more film on Arsenal, what they're going to do, it's. It, I'm guessing that's going to lead to teams uh, figuring them out uh, a little bit more. But it was just a bad time for United to run into Arsenal at the moment. So, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking probably like a three-one, maybe another four-one, like they had against Newcastle. Norwich are just offering nothing at the minute. It's. It's. It's sad to see though, because I, I really like them and I really like their approach to games and. Uh, they're always usually entertaining games. It usually ends up with Norwich being the ones getting stuffed most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. All right, which brings us to the premier match of the weekend, which is Tottenham hosting Liverpool. Some notable news here. Obviously, since we last did a podcast, Harry Kane suffered a significant injury. is expected to be out for a considerable amount of time. Musa Sissoko is going to be out until April. Danny Rose and Ben Davies are also out, and uh, Harry Winks and Eric Dyer are pretty much expected to be in the center of midfield in this game, which kind of worries me because they're probably just going to kick the living crap out of Liverpool, but we'll see it, how that goes. If that worries you, then you need to get your brain checked. <laughs> they, okay, it doesn't worry me in the sense of we can't beat them. That doesn't worry me at all. It's the, the ball just, literally, it should never be close to them because you should just be just destroying them out on the wings. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, what, that's what we should be. But, like, they're still going to have their chances to kind of throw in kicks in there. Uh, the other thing that happened, I don't know if I've been on pod since this was announced, but uh, Minamino was brought in by Liverpool from Red Bull. Salzburg gets his debut in the Everton game. Um, as, like, a Firmino stand-in. He was playing yeah. as like a false nine, right? I don't hate yeah, it for him. I'm just interested to see how how he develops in it. Uh, there was talk that Klopp kind of looked at the style of player he was as a midfielder and was like, "I could 
use him as this, or I can put him in midfield as well. They've tried to play Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in that role before, and it didn't work then, but it, it kind of worked on, on Sunday against Everton. But then again, a lot of things worked on Sunday against Everton. So I, I don't know about that, but, but I'm excited to see him play. I don't expect him to start this game. I think Klopp's... I, no, why would still, you? Yeah, Fabinho's <laughs> still <would> out. <laughs> Fabinho's still out, so we're going to see Henderson kind of in that reserve role, Wijnaldum, and then um, most likely... Ox? Yeah, I think so. Ox got Ox got back out there against... I know Milner picked up an injury against Everton, right? Yeah, but it wasn't expected to be serious. They just took him off as a precaution. Naby Keita would have definitely started this one. He was in really good form, but he messed up his groin going into the last Premier League game before the Everton game, and he's expected to be out for a considerable amount of time. He was starting... And then he like pulled his groin in training, literally on the last kick. Yeah, I Andrew, know, I, it's it's Trent's time to shine. Time to move I back know. into midfields. No, no, no. <laughs> no I do not. On... I do not uh, condone that move at all. Keep no. it right back. I've just heard we that, don't... and I, like I kind of get it with like the the uh, midfield injuries that you guys have. Yeah, uh, I will see. We'll see, but. I will say, I looked this up because I was like, okay, I'm probably going to bet on Liverpool this week, even though like I'm not supposed to bet on my team. But every time we play Tottenham, like every time we play Tottenham, it's always a close game. We haven't like blown them off the park in quite a while. I don't expect this to be the weekend. I still expect like a typical Jose side that's going to kind of sit back and defend, try to catch us on the counter, especially with no Harry Kane. Fine. Like you've got Lucas Mora and you've got uh, Hinman Son. Son. But... Um, I think Liverpool can go in there and win two one, which is why like I looked at the head to heads like the last in the last three games Liverpool have put two goals past uh, past Spurs and won the game. Uh, they they did win with a clean sheet at Spurs last year, but their last game they won two one, and March of last of twenty nineteen. I thought Lamella scored against you guys last year. At Wembley. Oh, you're right. Okay, you're right. You know which game I was thinking about? But I was thinking you guys, about the Champions League final. You guys always go up 2-0 against them, and it's always yeah. like, oh, Liverpool are easing to victory here, and then they score a goal in the last 10 to 15 minutes, and it's like nervy but not nervy <laughs> for the last 10 to 15 minutes, and then you guys just win 2-1, and, and that's that, and that's all you need to do. Um, I would fully expect you guys to do it. There's no there's no midweek action coming up next week, is no. there? You know, it's it's... You got like yeah. uh, you got like kind of a respite here before the Champions We're, League comes back into it in mid February. We play on the eleventh, and then we have a break all the way until the nineteenth when we host Manchester United. Right, they're they're like doing a staggered winter break yeah. where half the teams are playing and half the teams are resting, and then another week where those teams are switching off. So right, right. Yeah, so I mean, that, that'll I'm, be welcome for sure. Been way I'm too many games confident. recently. I'm pretty confident, and Liverpool have been in pretty good form, and we didn't play the starters on the weekend at all. So I think we can win this one 3-1. I do think Spurs can get something either on a counter or like a random play. Like they're still gonna give us, they're still gonna give everything they've got. Like they need to because they're in sixth place and they're a point out of fifth, and they're six points behind Chelsea. So they're not gonna go down without a fight. I just don't think they're gonna be able to keep up with Liverpool. I really don't like the way we've been playing this year. And I know Spurs under Pochettino matched up well against us, but this isn't a Pochettino team. And with the amount of injuries, like we should win this game relatively comfortably. I like I didn't look at the over before, but now that I think about it, like 3-1 Liverpool also sounds like kind of something that could happen. Over three and a half to plus 152. So uh, like I said, I like, I like Liverpool result in both the score. That's at plus 200. 
but it should be it should be a pretty straightforward day for Liverpool because they're healthy and frankly Spurs are not. Yeah, I mean to say the least. And did you see Spurs start? Like Jose started basically the everyone who was available his like first team against Middlesbrough, and they went down one nil and ended up drawing one one. You know, it's away at a mid-table championship side that are, you know, kind of playing a, a little bit better over the last uh, month or so. But you still expect uh, any top half Premier League team if they start their their first team and then their 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 A team uh, that's available, you expect them to at the very least win that game and to not like go behind and struggle as much as they did. So. I'm I'm thinking this is the kind of game where you, you think Tottenham are have come back around and are playing a little bit better, but Liverpool just play a bit more conservatively and just sort of take advantage of them on their counter attack. I don't even know if you guys need to really like go through the gears and like outpossess them and have like an amazing performance to win this one. You can just you can just wait for Tottenham to make mistakes and they've got players in there that just uh, that you know they will they'll make at least two or three and you guys are clinical enough to really take advantage of that so three one is it's probably not a bad prediction but two one is probably the most likely yep aston villa take on manchester city on sunday and there's some big news on the aston villa side of things tom heaton and uh, is out for the rest of the year wesley is injured Pepe Reina might be brought in to Villa to be an emergency goalkeeper because he's still playing professional football, apparently. Uh, McGinn is injured, and the other notable is that they brought in Danny Drinkwater, uh, the Chelsea midfielder who was on loan at Burnley and was getting absolutely no time at all. Uh, he, he got and, uh, a couple Richard, games, but no. no he... Not a lot of time. Richard Jolly had a fun stat that I enjoyed on Twitter a lot. Danny Drinkwater has not played in a league win since 2017. That was three years ago, by the way. Uh, the last win he had was in February of 2018 in the FA Cup. Since then, Virgil van Dijk has played in 72 wins. I mean, we can play this game. I probably should have prepared. <laughs> I probably should have prepared something else. But we could probably play this game with a lot of players. You know, oh, there was yeah. there was a similar stat going around about Jack Rodwell like a couple of years ago when he was at Sunderland and hadn't won a Premier League game for like two or three years, something like yeah. that. So yeah, it happens from time to time. And Danny Drinkwater has been the victim of uh, unideal circumstances, but uh, he's been paid handsomely for it. So it's hard yes. to feel too bad for the guy, especially because he's opened a bar in Manchester, I think, since uh, in that time, and he's gotten arrested for drunk driving in that time uh he's he's it's been a very eventful time off the field for Danny Drinkwater so it's probably about time in a relegation fight that he gets his act together and helps uh Villa who are missing not only those two players Heaton and and Wesley that you mentioned but uh John McGinn's out for three or four months and he was a a really dynamic player in that midfield so they're gonna need uh Drinkwater to give them whatever he he can for the second half of the season and they're going to need frankly Douglas Luiz to turn into a basically a John McGinn replacement and for Grealish to drop back into midfield a little bit more and help help there because uh their their midfield went from like a strong point for them for like relative to the rest of the bottom half sides to now without uh uh without McGinn it's it's borderline uh, thin, you know. If there's one more injury there, you're you're kind of thinking they're in a crisis, and they're already in the relegation zone. So, yeah, well, uh, they're not in the bottom three; they're a point out of it. But yes, they are. Uh, okay, good. They climbed out since uh, since a week ago. Good for them. Yes, 
They're they're on 21 points, a point above Bournemouth, who would go down, which I would kind of hate to see because I I really like the way Eddie Howe manages his team. But they I do not flat. go to hell, Bournemouth. Get out of here. You beat Chelsea too often. <laughs> it's very it's very accurate. Um, but they're going to just get waxed by Manchester City. Like I know this is at Villa Park, and I know Villa Park's been kind of a place where they've stand up, stood up pretty well to teams this year. They gave Liverpool a really tough challenge that day that, that, that Liverpool played at Villa before they came back late. But I, I see no way around with the amount of injuries that they have that they can keep up. And they gave it all in the in the League Cup semifinal against Leicester today. They they were up 1-0 early. Or not early, but they were up 1-0. And Leicester came back and, and put more into the game. But I, I, I think they're just going to get absolutely piped by City. I guess I have an image in my head of like the 63rd minute where both teams are coming off uh, a League Cup semifinal in midweek right after they've done Christmas and FA Cup games. Uh, and the Manchester City players are just rubbing their hands together and they're just like, welcome to our world. We do this shit for the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> Villa players are like, you do midweek and weekend all season? And they're like, yes, that's what the Champions League is, what it takes. And like the Villa players are just exhausted. And I can just see like a an onslaught happening in the last 30 minutes where maybe it's like, 2-0 or 2-1 City, and then they bring on a couple subs, and those subs just absolutely run the Villa players ragged, who are still you know, kind of adjusting or kind of recovering from that Christmas period. So yeah, I agree with you, but it might be dragged out a little bit before that happens. Hell, it took you guys like two goals in the last, like, what, five minutes or ten minutes to, to beat them at Villa like Park? Seven, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. But we had that Roberto Firmino goal that was the whole, like, millimeters bullshit to deal with. But and also like I mean let's talk about the really tough games that Manchester City has played in their last couple games, right? They had Port Vale and then Manchester United. I mean are, those games like those aren't tough. Those aren't tough at all. Like they're fine. They're gonna just absolutely destroy Villa. Port Vale. God damn dude Port Vale. Although although Port Vale let's bring back Banter of the Week real quick before we wrap up the pod. Port Vale you had have that to. striker who uh uh what was it? Um Tom Pope who tweeted about how he wished he could play against John Stones all the time because he'd scored thirty a season. He said this scored... he said this years ago. Years he, ago. He, he I mean he plays now at Port Vale. I don't know where he played at the time, but he he as a player who is not anywhere close to the same division same league, literally, as John Stones was saying, man, if I got to play against John Stones every week, or he was on Twitter saying that, if I got to play against John Stones every week, I'd scored like 40 goals a season or whatever the exact quote was. And then they got drawn with City and he scored and John Stones was on the field. And, you know, they still lost, what, like 3-1 or 4-1? But uh, I, think it, I, I think it was the equalizer. So, you know, for a brief moment there, he was living the dream. Like, ah, oh, yes, I can play against Stones uh, any anytime I want. And then after the game, as he was going uh, back through the tunnel, Benjamin Mendy <laughs> got jumped out from somewhere and asked him for a picture and took a, a selfie with him to send to like Manchester City's like group chat to like basically throw it throw a dig at John Stones, which is just that's that's exactly what you have Benjamin Mendy in your team to do. He's the Mishi Bakshuai of that team. It's just the banter lord who is supposed to play better than he actually does, but mainly is just like the chemist. He just manages the chemistry of the team. Good for you, Benjamin Mendy. Good for you, Tom Pope. Yeah, Tom Pope also then got in trouble with a, with a tweet that potentially could be anti-Semitic because it was about uh, World War Three and the whole thing after that. So Yeah, you hate maybe, going maybe, back and bringing up old tweets. 
No, no, no. It was like a new one. He like oh, tweeted what? like, what do you think? Yeah. Like I just Googled Tom Pope and it's like he's in trouble for an anti-Semitic tweet. And it's, it was something about World War Three. And there's an article on ESPN about it. And it's it, it, a reference to the American re- tensions with Iran. And yeah, we I'm not going to read the tweet, but yeah. Just say it wasn't great. So uh, maybe focus on the football, bud. Put down the Twitter fingers. You, you got the one over Manchester City, but but let think before you tweet. Uh, so that about wraps it up from us today. Uh, bets of the week from both of us. I've got Leicester result both to score plus 90, 195. They are taking on Southampton at home. Liverpool away result both to score against Tottenham Hotspur. And I'm going to take the over 3.5 in the Crystal Palace Arsenal game. That's at plus 188. And Alex is going balls to the wall. Burnley to win at Chelsea. Straight up money line plus 950. Uh, we missed out on Javier today because of uh, some scheduling stuff. It happens, as we've talked about on the pod plenty of times before. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Passaro at ASMOS92 at JavierRev9 and at Pod. Like, review, subscribe on iTunes. And um, until next time. Hold